Yo, everyone. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. We got like... (laughs) Brittany's feeling fresh today. Feeling fresh. Feeling fine. And welcome to the 33rd, is that how you yep. would say that, episode of yep. Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land. I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. How are you this week, Kayla? Yo, I'm good. <laughs> good. I, good. <laughs> I am great. It is currently Labor Day as we record, mm-hmm. and I am... Hanging out in my clean podcasting room, thanks to my husband, who's amazing and Aww. beautiful and one of the best people in the world. So I'm just chilling out here and uh, hanging out with you after seeing my best friend all week. It's been it's been a good weekend. Nice. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, if you saw my tweet a couple of days ago. I said, you know, after nearly two and a half years, it's kind of weird for the default on holidays to just be like, oh, we're going to the cabin. Like, as someone who didn't grow up with a cabin, I never think, mm-hmm. oh, it's Labor Day. We're going to the cabin. I'm like, oh, it's Labor Day. Hmm, I wonder what I should do. And then Steve's always <laughs> like, obviously, we're going to the cabin. So we did that yesterday and we went four wheeling. We played some sort of four wheeler poker thing where we drove around in a pack through the woods of northern Minnesota and we had beer breaks and at those beer breaks you pulled a new card and then at the end you put together like who had the highest poker hand and I won I won $140 and then I tried to buy everyone around apparently the place we wanted to go to was about to close by the time we did the whole thing and but yeah it was great it was great it was super fun i got so dirty i steve just kept we just kept going through a bunch of puddles and as the person in back i was the one who got most of the splash and i was like i don't think i've been this dirty since i was in middle school what is up with this but it was fun so so am i still frozen or have you been able to see my reaction this whole no time? you are definitely still frozen okay because i have been laughing throughout this whole story because you so obviously did not grow up in a hick town. No, I didn't. <laughs> your description your description of, like, wheelers. It's like, we drove around in, like, this pack. I was like, yeah, that's how you drive around on wheels. <laughs> drive around in packs. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. go wheeling, but, like, that's what you do, right? But, and you're talking about games, like, we do beer stops. I was like, yeah. Of course you, you do. do. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Shout out to... My friend Wendy, who's listening, Wendy goes wheeling all the time, and you gotta plan a whole day for it, and you gotta do your beer stops. Yeah, I get to hear about it all the time. Yeah, well, we that should... sounds like a kick-ass trip. We should probably go up and do it sometime. That would be rad. I love four wheeling. Me my, too. Uh, 
my stepdad, um, for lack of a better term, uh, used to have wheelers. Mm-hmm. And I love wheeling, but then just it's they're a lot to maintain if you don't use them regularly. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't. I tried to tell Steve that I should borrow it and drive to and from work. And he's like, I don't think you can legally drive that in town. No, you can't. And I was like, oh, right. Laws. All right. Okay. It's funny. Growing up in two harbors when there was really bad snowstorms and the roads weren't plowed properly, uh, people would drive their snowmobiles around town to get to like help shovel people out they take their wheel and you're not technically supposed to do that some people would take wheelers some people would take snowmobiles you're not technically supposed to do that but that is where being in a small town is advantageous one of the few times growing up in a small town is advantageous i don't think you could pull it off in duluth small towns are not uh my favorite place i was not a lover of growing up in one but looking back it definitely how you approach different scenarios is very different than how i approach some scenarios <laughs> you're like <laughs> duh and i'm like oh, what is this amazing amazing day who thought of this <laughs> and i suppose it makes sense because steve and i grew up in the same area yep. so mm-hmm. we're both like yeah so- don't well obviously and you're like no you don't understand this is not what normal people do (laughs) (laughs) see i i grew up my dad for a couple of years had a four-wheeler and i would just ride it around in circles at my grandparents house so that i didn't have to hang out with him and my i remember my cousin kelly was driving once and i was driving in back and she was not good at driving it. I was fantastic. Like, I I knew when to, like, <laughs> lean, when to do this, when to do that. I was pretty amazing. I'm just saying, as, like, a small child. Uh, Kelly, not so great. And so at one time we were driving and she hit, like, a stump or something. And it, like, got caught on the front wheel. And so she, like, jerked us sideways super fast. Mm. And I fell off and I rolled on the ground and then she righted herself and went room but when she roomed she went right over the top of me but it was very fast and I was also obviously in a little bit of a a little bit of a ditch so she I felt her go over me but I didn't hurt and I didn't get hurt and I literally waited until I was 22 to tell my mom because I was worried that she was going to tell me that I was not allowed to ride on the four-wheeler anymore if she knew that Kelly ran me over. So instead, I was like, what a great day. I read, rode the four-wheeler. And she's like, oh, was it? I was like, yeah. Nothing weird happened whatsoever. Mm-mm. That is terrifying. I, I, I was fine. One of my previous places of employment was a ATV dealer. Nice. And so I, I had a lot of friends who drove wheelers and snowmobiles and stuff, but I never drove them because we just, we didn't have them. That was not something that was an option for me as a child. Right. We did not have the money or the availability to have one. But when I started working at this place in my early 20s, while you weren't necessarily supposed to do it, somebody had to move all of the wheelers and the side-by-sides in and out from the lot. Like, cause we parked them on various places of the entire, around the dealership property. I mean, what a So bummer. maybe you just, you know, take one for a rip yeah. before you park it inside. And that's where I got used to driving them. 
and I am also pretty good at driving them. Certain people might disagree with that, but I think I'm excellent. I've never rolled one, but I've felt that kind of feeling when you're kind of driving on an incline yes. sideways and it like, you know, you have to lean, but like if you didn't lean, you could feel it. Kind of, yeah. That's, that's scary. Yeah. 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 Um, this is our redneck four wheeler. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're talking about podcasts and the fact that we're doing one though, uh, shout out to all the people who must have told their friends to listen to us because our listeners jumped so much in the last yeah. week thank y'all so much it's amazing it's a nice little boost it makes us feel good and yeah. we appreciate you so much so we want you to feel good for helping us feel good and we're glad you enjoy what we're doing yes and keep telling your friends and rate and, res and subscribe yeah 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 <laughs> I think that's what you're supposed when really to say. really only one Rate of the things that we smash that like button. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate myself for saying that. Um, only one of the things that you listen to us through lets you rate us. Did you know that? I think that there are actually two because I found a random rating that had uh, a little review on it from one of our listeners, but I don't remember what it was because you should find that out because Google for us. So far, I only know that we have a five-star rating. Mm -hmm. We do. On Apple, but no written reviews. Yes, we have one written review on something else. And they were like, man, this thing sucks. It's not no, worth your time. No, they said we were oh. a motherfucking delight, essentially. Oh. Yeah, it was very nice. Happy. Five stars. Well, shall we start today? Heck yeah, let's do it. First, though, I think we should get a word from our sponsor. All right, here we go. Kayla, mm -hmm. it's finally time. Mm -hmm. It's here. Yeah. We've been talking about it for weeks, and now... Earthrider Fest! Earthrider Fest! I'm excited for the beer. As we all know, I love beer. The beer is delicious. And I'm excited for the music. Charlie Parr, Lila Abukader, Turn, Turn, Turn. And guess what? What? I'm this year's MC, which Fuck I can yeah. only assume to mean that I get all of these cedar sour red that I can possibly handle. Why didn't you tell me earlier? I like surprises. <laughs> so don't forget, this Saturday, September 11th, Earthrider Fest at the Earthrider Brewery Festival Grounds. Music, beer, and games. Don't forget, if you purchase the Advanced Ticket Package or the Advanced Moss Stein Ticket Package, you will get not only admission to the fest, but either a stainless steel pint glass or a one-liter glass nice. stein to fill with any of the amazing Earthrider beers they have on tap. For more information and to purchase your tickets, visit earthrider.beer or find the Earthrider Fest 2021 event page on Facebook. And we're back. Yeah. So I have a story that I think you are going to find very interesting, I hope. It was a lot of pieced together, so we're okay. going to 
ask for some patience with the listeners if I'm repeating a few statements because it's a lot of conflicting reports, but I did my best here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That happens. It just happens. This week, I am going to tell you about the Mineral Springs Mall in Elton, Illinois. The Mineral Springs Mall? Oh, wait. Yeah, Mineral Springs Mall. Oh, okay. You made you had me question myself. Yeah, it's Mineral <laughs> Springs Mall. <laughs> the Mineral Springs Mall is a strong contender for the most haunted in Alton, Illinois, which is saying something for a town that has a national recognition for being one of the most haunted in the country. Mm-hmm. I've read that about Alton. As a matter of fact, if the city name sounds familiar to our listeners, it's because Brittany covered a location in Alton. Oh, that's right. If you go back to episode four of the podcast, I looked it up, of the McPike Mansion, that is also located in Alton. I was going to say, I knew something about Alton. It was my story. Okay. (laughs) An unfortunate past of murder, war, death, destruction has led to Alton's haunted presence as... Brittany had mentioned in the McPike episode, I mean, there was Underground Railroad that ran through there. Mm -hmm. So there's also a lot of interactions from Civil War era times in here. And also, like, just general crime. Through the years, many have investigated various unexplained happenings and phenomena throughout Elton. Some, such as the McPike and a few others, have been featured on television shows on both Channel Channel and Sci-Fi Channel. Mark Twain was actually quoted once as referring to Elton, Illinois as a dismal little river town. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I could have chosen a couple of the more (laughs) well-covered. No, I was going to say I could have chosen a couple of the more well-covered locations because there's a few others other than the McPike Mansion. Okay. But instead, this small little location caught my eye in this smaller city, and I think you'll know why once I start talking about it. Founded by two German immigrants, August and Hermann Luer, in 1909, the Mineral Springs Mall building is one of the oldest buildings and most historic in Alton. Originally, the building was going to be an ice house for the Luer's successful meatpacking business. Plans changed when a natural spring was discovered while drilling into the bedrock underneath the building. And it became a hotel and spa. The water from the spring had a strong smell. It turned out to be a high sulfur content. Pleasant. And the legend had it that a chemist declared it to have medicinal qualities. So he advised the brothers to build a health spa on the site. And we know that I love a good story that involves around springs becoming health spas. I was going to say, this is your jam. It opened in 1914, advertising itself as a sort of resort getaway with the aid of the healing properties of the water. And apparently, they weren't being shifty. The brothers legit thought that these waters were truly like a helpful cure for many different illnesses. They weren't claiming miracles, but they really thought it helped. With the marketed cures for the mineral springs and boasting the largest swimming pool in Illinois... And home to the biggest dining table in all of Alton, because it seated 26 people. It became famous throughout Illinois and Missouri to stay at. The finished structure was an Italian villa style with hand-painted crown moldings and high ceilings with elaborate decor and more than 100 rooms. Damn. 
So the final design provided an elegant atmosphere for that touch of class for all these people that were traveling in. The therapeutic powers of the water eventually attracted people from all over the country. The hotel even began to sell bottled water, which shipped as far as Memphis and New Orleans. Most of the spa's clientele came from St. Louis, which is only about 25 miles away on the other side of the Mississippi River. But it was said that at one point, the swimming pool attracted over 3,000 people in a season. The hotel enjoyed its heyday throughout the 1910s and the early 1920s. So people are drinking and swimming in sulfur water? Right. Old I was waiting sulfur for you to water with that. thousands of people who have swam in it. For anybody who grew up Ew. with family members that had well water, Ew. imagine that smell you were showering in, but they're just, they want to swim in it. Oh, it's not for me, but if they, if they thought it was healing. Yeah. You know, get it. In 1918, a Hollywood actress named Marie Dressler spoke at the hotel on behalf of the Liberty Loan Committee. Apparently that was a big deal. It got mentioned a couple of times. Okay. A number of new rooms were added to the hotel in 1925, the same year that an orchestra was hired to play on Sunday afternoons for dining in the evening. So just getting classier and classier. Beautiful. August Lure sold the hotel in 1926, but it continued to thrive for many years afterward, finally beginning to deteriorate in the late 1960s. Tourists and health fanatics stopped coming, and rooms that were once used for overnight guests began to be rented to people traveling on a weekly and even monthly basis. Mm -hmm. In 1971, the Mineral Springs finally closed down for good, and the place was actually condemned because of general deterioration. The roof leaked in many spots and was collapsed in a couple. In 1978, though, it was restored by Roger Schubert, who developed the building as a shopping mall. And it has operated on and off ever since, finally becoming completely viable again in the 2010s. Oh, wow. Ever since its initial restoration in 1978, stories began spreading about the Mineral Springs and the activity there. Today, the old hotel is named the Mineral Springs Mall. It's located at 301 East Broadway in Alton, and it is home to several antique shops, a 4,000-square-foot ballroom, a barber shop, the Historical Museum of Torture Devices. Oh, okay. And also houses a handful of tenants. Two mall tenants, Dave and Donna Nunnally, who own two businesses titled Indigo Moon and... It's raining zen. <laughs> they are uh, metaphysical and holistic shops. Yeah. And they receive a lot sense. of mentions in this story because, honestly, they seem the most stoked about it. Okay. A couple loves sharing stories, photos, videos, EVPs, and, uh, like, just general information on the ghosts in the building. They love it. So I mention them a lot. Donna told RiversAndRoutes.com that she could tell from the start of her moving in there that the hotel was a place of joy and healing energy all the way back to its earliest days. It is important to note that the history of the building is a combination of research from multiple sources, like it always is, but I did find a lot of inconsistencies. Mm. Mm -hmm. I first found a note of some historical inconsistencies while reading the investigation by the Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee, and then I found quite a few irregularities myself. Mm -hmm. I tried to go with the stories that seemed to have the most backup or at least the most common denominators. Yeah. But just, you know, to throw it out there, 
even if I contradict myself sometimes, it's because I'm combining so many different sources. I feel like that's also what happened during the McPike Mansion. Yeah. And there's an interesting kind of theory behind that that Dave Nunnally talks about. When Dave Nunnally was interviewed by Riverbender.com about the building, and before the interview could even really start, Nunnally was quick to clarify that the Mineral Springs Mall has historic and folkloric hauntings. Which is the first time I've heard this distinction, but I like it. The difference between the two is that historic hauntings have a basis in history. Right. Death certificates, newspaper articles, proof exists that these ghosts could be real. Whereas folkloric hauntings, on the other hand, have no basis in history. You won't find sources for the stories, just tales that have been spread by locals and travelers over the years. This does not mean that there isn't, you know, paranormal evidence. It's still relevant in EVPs or any other investigations, but there's no historical, like, documentation about mm -hmm. them. First, a note on the construction of the building. Many believe that spirit energy lives in the walls of the building due to the fact that it bricks once belonged to the Confederate prison in Alton, just oh. a few blocks away, which has reportedly also has draw for paranormal activity. So these are reused bricks, and stone can potentially hold energy. First, we'll start with the historic hauntings, because there's only a couple to mention here of proof. Yeah. There is Clarence, a 17-year-old young man who is said to have drowned in the pool. Dave Nunnally said several people have gone to the building for paranormal investigations, have claimed to see an apparition of a young man, sometimes donning a brown suit. Clarence's death certificate is showcased in the lobby of the mall, was a real person. Pearl Sands is a woman who died in one of the upstairs hotel rooms with her spirit energy remaining to this day. Her obituary is framed and hangs in the hotel. And then there's Lou Harwood. Lou Harwood shot himself in the hotel bar a few years after it opened and reportedly still haunts it to this day. His obituary is hung up in the hotel lobby. So basically, these three spaces with the historical hauntings are a lot of the same spaces where the folkloric hauntings occur. So we've got the pool area, mm -hmm. the hotel rooms, which kind of go into a stairway, which I'll get to later, okay. and the hotel bar. As for the folkloric hauntings, a lot of them focus on the pool area, with one of the most popular ghosts being Cassandra. Cassandra is said to have slipped, hitting her head on the poolside, and dying shortly after while at her birthday party in the pool. No. She is said to like yellow marbles and is mostly active around 5 a.m., Many people who come for investigations leave toys, especially marbles, around the former pool's drain. Some groups have even claimed to see the marbles move as if they were being pushed around by something unseen. When the Nunnalies brought their shop into the building, complete with crystals and other semi-precious stones, as a lot of those holistic shops are like to do, one of the stones they carried was a pink agate. Donna Nunnally said, We started finding little pink agates everywhere. They were all over the shop, behind Dave's toolbox, just everywhere. We had no idea where they came from or how they got there. Pink is what they associate with the haunting of Cassandra, the little girl. So they think that she's traveled from the pool area up into her shop and is moving these 
precious stones around. Sometimes during investigations, a pink orb can be seen in photos and videos of people seeking her spirit. Pink orbs are associated with childlike energy, says Donna Nunnally. The colors of orbs have meanings. Blues are associated with angelic, pink, childlike. Orbs in general are questionable bits of evidence for the paranormal, as we've discussed in the past. Yeah. Even a lot of, like, hardcore believers don't track with orbs. Dave Nunnally, who is a believer, is super skeptical of orbs as evidence and says a lot of the time, most of the time, orbs are just glares, dusts, insects. There are some, however, that can be explained, such as the pink orbs. This comes in a little bit later. On hauntedhouses.com, a forum we've referenced before where people can share stories of their experiences at haunted locations, one post stated, The Illinois Ghost Society investigated at this place three times. Each time, the most activity was in the pool area. The tour guide was telling us about Cassandra and the little girl that drowned. We made sure that there were no marbles in the pool after setting up, and we left. We came back after midnight. Upon returning to do an EVP session, we found three marbles in the deep end of the pool. One occasion, we got a little girl EVP, and then one time a team member got poked in the back, and they saw a dark figure moving. Dark figure? Well, I mean, a figure doesn't have to be ominous. Like, it could have been Cassandra. It's like they poked in the back and then saw a figure moving. Okay. Wait. Another poster on that same... Hmm? Are they doing this in an empty pool, or is, yeah. is the pool still used? No, it's empty. Okay. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. The pool has not been filled since it was an active, like, hotel. Oh, okay. Like, in the 60s. I saw photos of it down there. They actually have chairs set up down there for when people do these paranormal sessions. Oh, okay. It's just a big, empty pool. So when they leave marbles at the drain, it's an empty deep end. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Another poster on the hauntedhouses.com site said that while this haunting may be folkloric, there is documentation of a girl named Clarence Blair who drowned in the pool with, you know, actual evidence to support it. This same poster went on to say that they've had many paranormal experiences in all areas of the building, especially upstairs. So they're saying that while we don't have proof for Cassandra, some girl did drown in the pool. I mean, if I was to come back as a ghost and I wasn't necessarily gung-ho about making sure people knew that it was me, I would definitely choose a different name than Brittany. Like, I am not a Brittany. I just happen to be named Brittany. And <laughs> I would probably just come up with something different. What was the girl's name? Clarence? Clarence. Clarence? Yeah, yep. Cassandra. I'd be like, ooh, my name is actually Cassandra. <laughs> Epic. Troy Taylor of HauntedIllinois.com told a story that he heard back in 2002 about the pool area. A very reliable witness who worked at Mineral Springs at the time told me of his own strange encounter with the swimming pool. One evening, he happened to be in the basement area and heard the sound of water coming from behind the locked door of the room where the pool was located. Since there had not been water in the pool for years, he became alarmed, thinking perhaps that a water pipe had broken and was now leaking into the room. He hurried inside and turned on the lights to see that the floor was perfectly dry. There was no water running, and in fact, the sound that he had heard had stopped. Puzzled, he started to leave the room, and as he did so, noticed something odd on the floor. He looked closer and was shocked when he realized that what he was looking at was a line of wet, 
footprints that led from the edge of the pool and vanished several feet away. Spooky. No one had been in the room, and there was no water in the pool, so where had the footprints come from? He didn't know, but he was not sticking around to find out. <laughs> he quickly exited the pool area and never came back to that room again during the rest of his employment in the building. Well, damn. All right. There's also hauntings at the hotel bar, as I had mentioned. We knew about the gentleman, Lou, who had documented proof of his passing. Mm -hmm. There's also supposedly a ghost named Charlie. Charlie is rumored to be only in the hotel bar area. The story goes that he was a struggling, depressed artist who drank his sorrows away in the bar and ran up a bar tab so high that he could not pay it. As part of a way to work towards paying off his bar tab, they commissioned him to paint a mural of Alton oh, in the beautiful. bar area. Yeah. But he also committed suicide before the mural was completed. There is no evidence of Charlie's death, but there is a mural in oh. there. It exists in the former bar area. Over the years, they don't have any documentation of who started it. Mm -hmm. It was completed and added on to over the years. Like, the Lovely. Nunnally's know that there's a series of roses in there, but that was added on later commissioned by an art teacher, and that's been happened since the 2010s, I believe what? they said. During that 1978 renovation, they touched up the mural, but nobody knows who the original artist is. Okay, so the part of the story could actually, like, really fit. Yep, and there was debate in here on if Charlie is a different person or if Charlie is Lou. Mm-hmm. Because both depressed, both committed suicide in the building, but there's no evidence of Mr. Harstead being a artist. So that's where I think the stories don't track. The stairway leading up to upstairs hotel rooms is another area for folkloric hauntings, kind of combined with historical hauntings. The main one, the big focus, is the Jasmine Lady. There is no living evidence of her, but on multiple occasions with EVP recorders, the words Norman, Assault, Fall, and Mary have been heard. The story follows that Norman and Mary were a couple staying at the hotel. Mary caught the attention of another man, and when Norman found out there was an argument, then Mary may have fallen or have been pushed down this elegant staircase to her death. Women will often find the smell of perfume, and tall, bearded, attractive men will feel cold arms on their arms. They specify bearded men. Tall, bearded, attractive men. I mean, I get it. Mary get it. got a type. Yeah, I get it. Employees of the place are not the only ones who have had unsettling encounters with the Jasmine Lady or Mary, whichever way you want to refer to them. Mm -hmm. A patron approached and told her story to Mr. Taylor from Haunted Illinois. She said she was shopping one day when she passed a staircase and she told him, I had no idea the place was supposed to be haunted. I wouldn't find that out until later when I was telling the story and everybody else seemed to know about the ghosts but me. She said she passed the bottom of the stairway when she got this sickening kind of cloying flowery scent but had no idea where it was coming from and obviously had no idea that it was signaling the presence of a ghost. She was shocked next when she said, after I smelled the perfume, I felt this cold chill, almost like a breeze blowing. And it didn't just hit me. It just brushed past me and was very cold. 
Then I looked up and there are all these signs that hang in front of some of the stores down the hallway. And all of the ones closest to me started swinging back and forth. That was enough shopping for me that day. I just left <laughs> after that and have not been back there since. I will never forget that, is what she said. Awesome. <laughs> and remember how I mentioned that Dave Nunnally was not a huge believer in orbs? Mm -hmm. There are some things that make him believe, and this stairway is one of them. In the interview with Riverbender.com, he showed a reporter a video of a white orb, kind of egg-shaped, moving off of the camera to the stairwell and moving like a foot up the stairs while maintaining its egg-like shape. He believes in this orb because while he was talking about how it can be confused with dust a lot of the time, yeah, this one maintained its shape, didn't fluctuate, and was moving in an opposite direction of the dust that they could see. Oh. Okay. That orb was attributed to either the ghost of Mary or Pearl, the historic haunting I mentioned earlier. Both women met unfortunate ends in the history of the hotel. Pearl perished actually just a room above where the Nunnally's shop is. Sometimes Donna Nunnally says that she hears a voice squeak a high-pitched high when attempting to communicate with the voice of Pearl. Both the Nunnally's say Pearl prefers the company of women. Mary, on the other hand, mostly communicates with men. Bearded ones. Bearded ones, apparently. She's called the Jasmine Lady due to the smell that oh, people that associate with her presence. Yeah. And they do think it's a little weird that she wants to communicate with men given the supposed violent manner of her demise. She's just looking to upgrade. It's cool. I get it. Like, my Dave husband Nunnally pushed said, me down the stairs, but you, <laughs> tall, handsome, I'll hang out with you. Dave Nunnally said, the legend is that she and her husband were staying here when it was a hotel when her husband was at work, she may have had an affair with a worker at the hotel. One day, as the story goes, the husband comes home, finds them together. He and Mary have an argument on the stairwell, and she falls down the stairs. Some people say he pushed her, but I think she just fell. Now Dave she's still just trying to get it fell. in the afterlife. She's just trying it. to get it. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to get it. I'm not going to blame a lady for that. A paranormal investigator from Boston did an EVP session with Dave. And Dave assured the reporter that this gentleman from Boston had no prior knowledge of the building's history. In the EVP, the words Mary, misunderstanding, and seven seconds could be heard, albeit a bit muffled. And to Dave, not only that recording is actually part of a growing amount of evidence proving the haunted nature of the building, specifically Mary the Jasmine Lady. Mm -hmm. So while it's still folkloric, he believes this is a lot of evidence being built up for it. Other things that have occurred in the building. According to the paranormal investigators of Milwaukee, a little boy is reportedly haunting the pool area as well as the little girl. Supposedly his feelings are more negative and he leaves behind mostly EVPs and likes to hide under the wooden staircase that leads to the empty pool. Oh, I don't like that. Why is that so creepy? <laughs> Shadow figures are seen in the tobacco room. Blurred faces are seen on screens of cameras. Ew. There is a report of a Confederate soldier from the Civil War area that's reported to move between rooms at seven-minute increments. A male spirit named William Daniels haunts the room beyond the main pool and is said to dislike veterans and women named Rachel. <laughs> okay. He's described as a child molester, so fuck that guy, and thought to have been shot by his girlfriend. And he is known for throwing bricks or rocks 
and can attack by scratching investigators. Oh, wow. I only found this report in the Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee report. I did not find this anywhere else, but that's the one, like, only ghost that I found that was really violent. Was his, was his girlfriend's name Rachel? <laughs> How would you find that out? How many Rachels I don't know. in Alton? What? <laughs> <laughs> and then the historic haunting of Pearl. There's a lot of associations with when you're communicating with her, a depressed feeling enters the room. Like I said, the Nunnally's super stoked about this. They also seem like pretty cool people. The Rivers and Routes article that I used a lot for this mm -hmm. specifically ended with, whether you are seeking healing energy, history, or a ghost or two, the mysterious Mineral Spring Hotel is the place for you. Dave and Donna continuously work hard to provide a loving, open, safe place for all who wander inside, no matter what realm you prefer. Contact Dave and Donna for a tour of the mysterious Mineral Springs Hotel or Mineral Springs Mall for guided tours, exploration of the mysteries, and stories that surround the hotel to this day. So they don't want to just cater to the haunted. They want everybody to feel welcome. And I kind of got that feeling from their Facebook page as well mm -hmm. and all the other articles I looked up on the Nunnalies. I found one article that found that they specifically helped out a business called River Bend Yoga after the floods in the uh, Illinois. Mm, yeah. Like this business was displaced. Their business was flooded. So the Nunnalies like set them up at no cost to them so they could continue with their clientele. Like, helped them out that way. Their interviews seem nice. I guess I don't know much about them. I only did this research for this. But, I don't know, they just seem like nice people that just want to, like, share some ghosties with you. Like it's raining zen. <laughs> it's raining zen. And speaking of ghosties and it's raining zen, I have one last thing to show you in regards to this building. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen and I will share this post on our social media. Yes. This was... With the caption, okay, paranormal peeps, this just happened on the security camera this morning. That morning was January 16th. Of 2021? Yeah. Okay. The black mist has been hanging around the Mineral Springs for about a week. Donna noticed it on the security camera in the stock room at 1150. We went into the stock room and asked it to leave. Whatever, whoever you are, you are not welcome. Took a screenshot at 1154 and it is gone. Two things we noticed in the 1150 image, the bright golden color on the left and the black vortex in the middle. Nothing there at all at 1154 after telling it to get out. So this was at 1150. Whoa, that is a black you mist could, for sure. Well, you could argue that it's a camera error. Right. But this would be like a broken camera. This would not be a glitch because there's none of the pixelated lines yeah, it's just of a blackness. glitchy camera. And then at 11.54, everything's back to normal. Huh. That was the most recent report I found from January 16th. And that is the story of the Mineral Springs Mall or Mineral Springs Hotel, depending on what time period you're looking at it. A pretty spooky haunted place in a haunted city. Love it. Love it. I have to look up pictures as to what this looks like, though. I'm trying to imagine... A hotel converted into a mall and I have no it's, idea what I'm envisioning 
they do a lot of haunted tours so you will find a lot of pictures if you just look up haunted tours in elton okay it will sometimes be a part of a haunted city tour and it has their own tours themselves and those tours of the mall itself are usually hosted by the nunnelies that makes sense awesome no i liked that thank you on a skeptic scale of para to normal para being five normal being one what are you gonna give the mineral springs mall 3.5 okay okay i was gonna give it a four all right i mean practically there it's a lot of recent encounters and there were a lot of paranormal investigations to back stuff up that's true that's true i feel like i'm more tempted to give higher ratings when the paranormal encounters have happened like in the last decade (laughs) yeah yeah whereas when they're from like the 60s 70s 80s like i want to believe them but also "Mm -hmm." it's a lot easier to fake things back then now you can't really fake things as easily no you'd think that you could is like cgi and stuff but you could call that stuff out as fake so quickly yeah you were able to analyze it much quicker to be like yeah that's not it i actually was going to do a different topic for this week's story because of a particular video um gosh i think it's the wingate hotel in illinois mm-hmm. um and in my initial looking for it i found a snoops page that said yeah this is fake and i went oh Never is mind. that the person you were because you texted me at one point said you were doing something and then you texted me later and you're like i'm doing this so i was like wait what happened to the other thing oh uh the other one is a person that i will be doing eventually however it might actually be a two-parter we shall see and okay so it will it's a it's very specifically a famous person and i have to do a lot of research and i did not have time to do that because i was four-wheeling so <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's that's coming up sometime either September or November. Well, I'm stoked about it. I would like to hear about that eventually. And I'm still stoked to hear about whatever you're going to offer for us this week. But before we do that, we should probably get another word from our sponsor. I cannot get enough of the Fest beer. I know. It's so fresh. They actually just canned it last week. It is one Munich-style golden lager that cannot be beat. Mm-mm. With bready malt character and subdued floral hop aroma. Mm-hmm. I just... I've had it because Steve was nice enough to deliver it to me a little early. No, But I actually went to Earthrider the other day with my friend Sam... And I walked in there, I was like, can I get the Fest beer? And they were like, it's not out yet. And I was like, well, I've had it, but I guess I'll just get a different beer instead. But now it is out. Like the regular people. (laughs) Yeah. But now it is out, and you, too, can get the Fest beer. It is the perfect partner for any stein holding or keg toss competition that you might find yourself in if you happen to go to the event the Earthrider fest maybe hint hint (laughs) and like all Earthrider beer it is made with lake superior water and perfect ingredients so head to their website at earthrider.beer for information on all of their beers as well as their event like this weekend's Earthrider fest and don't forget to follow Earthrider on facebook instagram and twitter at Earthrider Beer. 
we are back. Yeah. yeah. So I know last week that I said that I was going to stay out of Ohio because I go there a lot, which always makes Kayla sing about it. But then I found the story of the Punderson Manor. Hey there. I know it's hard to feel like I don't care at all. All right. I just needed to sing a little bit. You, you, we're in Ohio, so I'm singing. It's tradition at this point. How well, can I, mean, I go really, to Ohio without having a song? To sing? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to sing anyway, whether it's Ohio or not. So we just, we roll with it. We, we sing a lot on this podcast. I'm not <laughs> good. I'm glad that you do most of it. <laughs> and I'm actually really surprised because I couldn't really find any other podcasts who have covered the Punderson Manor. And... Yeah, I'm surprised because it's pretty haunted. That's got some good I like, stories. I feel like Punderson would be like a name you would give somebody to make fun of them for constantly making puns. Yeah. Like, make like a I always joke. I always say to my cat, Evie McEverton. Yeah. Like you you know, oh, Punny so McPunderson. Punny McPunderson. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not where the name comes from. It's probably actually a legit name though that I should stop mocking. Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can mock it. I don't I don't know <laughs> this person personally. It's from the early 1800s, so I've never met them. I so they're unlikely will not to like them. come at me about it. Yeah, well, just cl- do your cleansings. And All right, hopefully, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, Lemuel Punderson won't come at you. Uh, tell me about them, their punny McPundersons. Oh yeah. So the Punderson Manor is an English Tudor-style estate that is located about 30 minutes from downtown Cleveland in Ohio. Both the manor house as well as the land that it sits on, which is now a state park, take their names from Lemuel Punderson, who was the first permanent white settler to call it home (laughs) in 1808. He and his wife, Sybil, traveled to Ohio from Connecticut via wagon, carrying what they could, including Sybil's prized rocking chair, which can now be found on display at the Giaga County Historical Society. Lemuel Punderson, a young entrepreneur, constructed a small dam on the south side of what he called the Big Pond. Uh, (laughs) He used the outflowing water as a power source for a grist mill. In addition to the mill, the Punderson family developed a small estate and a distillery on the property. What's a grist mill? That is such a good question, Kayla, and I have no idea. Hold on one second. (laughs) A grist mill grinds cereal grains into flour and middlings. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so in the photos, it looks all very, uh... They're making flour and booze. Fairy-taily. Flour and Fairy-taily with the little little paddle thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They Christmas. use the power of the river to make flour. Flour. They've got the flour. <laughs> very, anyway. very punny, Miss Punderson. Miss Punderson, thank you. Well, Mr. Punderson died in August of 1822. And while some people believe that it was due to complications related to malaria, Local legend says that Lemieux Punderson drifted out onto the Big Pond, now known as Punderson Lake, one day in a bathtub 
and once he got to the center of it, he pulled the plug and drowned. It's a fucking weird-ass way to, like, peace out, homie. Right? I'm not even sure what sort of bathtub would float. Well, wooden Cloth bathtub. Cloth would float? Wooden bathtub. Yeah. But either yeah. way, be like, man. What? Was he nude? Like, was he taking a bath and then decided to do this? Like. No idea. I have questions. drag it down. And I'm disappointed yeah. that there's no way to get the answers. I know. <laughs> and that's only by local legend. Other people are like, eh, complications with malaria. Malaria does seem Personally? more likely than dragged my ass out in a bathtub and died. I mean, I agree, but it's more interesting. Exactly. You're taking my approach, I see. Yeah, exactly. What is the more interesting way of the death? <laughs> um, after Sybil's death, his wife, in 1872, the property was then owned by the Punderson estate. Both Lemuel and Sybil can be found buried on a hill near Punderson Lake. In 1902... W.B. Cleveland, who is a descendant of Moses Cleveland, who is the founder of Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. who's surprised, started purchasing land around Punderson Pond. Now, I call this thing a lot of different names. It's Punderson Pond. It's the big pond. It's Punderson Lake. They all mean the same thing. It's just this. It's a lake. Basically, Punderson if you're talking lake, about Punderson a body pond. of water, this is the body of water you're talking it's, about. Yeah, it's, it's all just the one body of water. Got it. Uh, W.B. Cleveland had visited P Lake Punderson and the Wales Hotel as a child, and he had a vision of turning this property into a private hunting and fishing estate. And the Wales Hotel was a hotel that was built in 1885 near where Punderson Manor currently resides. In 1904, W.B. Cleveland and his wife, Aussie Coppage, Aussie Coppage, uh, <laughs> We'll see whether or not I, I continue to say those names in that way, but we're going with Aussie Coppage. Built a home that they called the Big House, which is where the manor house is today. Because they were not super original with their names. They're like, it's the Big Pond. The Big House. And then house. next to the Big Pond, we've got the Big House, which would later be a term used to describe jails, but all right. It makes giving directions very easy. It's the Big House on the Big Pond. Yeah, you know, the big house next to the big pond or the big lake. Mm -hmm. You know, the punder the Punderson thing. <laughs> By 1907, W.B. Cleveland had acquired 500 acres of property around the big pond. And although it was originally determined that no one actually owned the rights to the pond itself, it was just supposed to be open to the public. After W.B. took legal action against Ella Punderson, who owned the last five acres and was awarded the land, W.B. made it full circle. W.B. Cleveland then used this property for things like starting a dog kennel, which was called the Lakefield Farm and Kennels. Also within the 500 acres, you could find, of course, the kennel for the prized bird dogs, a dog food factory, herds of buffalo, angora goats, cows, elk, wolves, fox, swans, and cranes. Just a regular old Dr. Doolittle over there. Sounds like a pretty Mr. cool Cleveland. place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the early 1920s, W.B. became ill and was no longer able to keep up with the property. Then Dr. E. Copage, I think that's how I said that before, who I believe is Aussie's brother Everett, but Dr. E. Copage financially rescued Lakefield Farms and then land contracted the property to Detroit millionaire 
Carl Long around 1925, which, if I understand correctly, based upon the articles that I read, I think that kind of means that Carl Long, instead of straight out buying the property, he kind of just rented it okay. from Dr. Copage, who I believe actually continued to own it because of what happens a little bit later on in the story. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, Carl had a vision. He wanted to build a 43-room English-style Tudor mansion, and construction on which began in 1925, and it's this mansion that would eventually become what we now know as Punderson Manor. However, after spending $250,000, which in today's money... Would be $3,855,974. Carl Long defaulted on his mortgage and abandoned the project. Oh, no. Uh, It was the Great Depression, and Carl lost a fortune in the 1929 stock market crash. Although rumors actually abound that Carl didn't just, quote-unquote, abandon the project, but that he actually committed suicide in the manor's attic rumors i don't know if they're true the property then reverted to the cleveland copage families which is why i think he just sort of rented it essentially aussie cleveland used the property to open a girls summer camp in the early 1930s but after no longer being able to keep up with the camp or financially support the property she sold the rights of the land to the state of ohio in 1948 In 1951, the state started an extensive renovation to finish the mansion that Carl Long had started and opened its doors officially to the public on November 15, 1956, 27 years after construction began. It's a long time for construction, too. Yeah. Different owners trying to build it. Everyone goes broke. Lots of hang-ups. I get it. I'm just saying, like, that's a long time when you actually say it out. Like, you were doing a timeline, and then you're like, 27 years later, you're like, shit. 27 years later, and you're like, oh, the math, what? <laughs> In 1965, another renovation was completed, adding an additional 24 lodge rooms and 26, I believe there were two-bedroom cottages. So on February 1st, 1966, the state officially opened up the Punderson State Park Lodge, featuring 32 lodge rooms, 26 cabins, as well as tennis courts, an outdoor pool, shuffleboard courts, a snack bar, dining room for 160 guests, a banquet slash meeting facility for up to 125 guests, as well as other recreational facilities, including a golf course, marina, beach, and hiking trails. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. The Punderson Manor slash Punderson State Park Lodge is now open year-round for guests. And although by the time the Punderson Manor opened to the public in 1965, the property already had about 150 years of history, it wasn't till around the 1970s that people started reporting spooky encounters happening there. Ghosts. Ghosts. Spooky. Guests to the manor report lights and TVs turning on and off on their own, as well as complain about bangs, bumps, and voices coming from unoccupied rooms. One man called down to the front desk to complain about a party that was happening on the floor above him. He was on the top floor. Got those uh, parties with the banging and the bumping. That's how I party. (laughs) Bing. Bing. Bump. I meant more innuendo than I think you intended there. 
Yeah, I literally danced that no one could see because it's a podcast, but whatever. We get it. We get it. We get it. In 1979, three employees were talking late one night at the front desk. One employee left to grab a coffee from the kitchen and returned moments later, urging the other two employees to join her. Upon walking into the Punderson Manor Lounge, all three saw an apparition dressed like a lumberjack hanging by the neck from a rope that disappeared somewhere near the ceiling. Mm -hmm. The apparition slowly rotated on the rope as the three employees watched for nearly three hours until the sun rose and the image slowly faded away. Oh, it's terrifying. Just three hours of, do you see that? No, but seriously, do you see that? What the fuck? It's a lumberjack. (laughs) What do you think gets this That makes it less frightening. What the fuck? It's a lumberjack. It's a lumberjack. But no, Doors that would be, are... No, that would be scary. I wouldn't like that at all. It, it would be super scary. And I like that they sat and watched it for three hours. Because also, like, you wouldn't just be like, oh, well, I'm over it. Oh, uh, no, you're not getting over let's that. Let's go get that coffee, I guess. Uh, doors are known to open and close on their own volition, and faucets will turn off and on even when no one is near. A restaurant hostess was dozing on a sofa in the employee lounge when she was awakened by the sound of children laughing and running around the sofa. Though, of course, there were no children to be found in the room. However, she is not the only one. Guests and employees alike are often hearing the sounds of young children. And although there are no reports of death of children on the manor property, it is said that the Wales Hotel that I mentioned earlier was actually destroyed in a fire and that several children had been killed when it did. And they think that maybe that's where these little ghosty children come from. A self-proclaimed psychic agreed to try and make contact with the ghost at the Punderson. Upon emerging two hours later from the tower in the original section, she said that she had spoken with a ghost who, quote, looked a little like Teddy Roosevelt. He said he would continue to haunt the place until his rocking chair is returned, end quote. Supposedly, per some older residents, W.B. Cleveland could be described as looking like Teddy Roosevelt. It's the mustache. Oh, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And although it would have been Sybil Punderson who originally owned the rocking chair that was later donated to the Historical Society, it might have remained in the house during W.B.'s time at the property, mm-hmm. where perhaps he just grew super fond of it. And then people came and stole it away. Have you ever had a really good rocking chair? You know that shit was handmade. Like, dude, a yeah. good rocking Quality. chair? Chef's she brought kiss. it all the way to from wow. Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. A park ranger, whose job was to make the rounds throughout the building, said that he heard a woman's loud laughter as he was climbing the circular staircase from the resort's main lobby to the second floor. At the time, the hallway turned unusually cold. Quote, For a second, it engulfed us, he reported. Then it quickly went down the hall and stopped. Once the laughter stopped, the hallway returned to its normal warmth. End quote. Recently, a guest staying at the lodge reported that a wastebasket in the bathroom inexplicably moved while she was in the shower. It was blocking the shower door so she could not exit the shower without moving it out of the way. She left shortly after and returned the wastebasket to its place near the sink. When she returned to her room that night, the wastebasket was once again blocking the shower door. A weird thing to waste your energy on as a ghost, but all right. Trash. Trash ghost. Literally. (laughs) Not long after a couple checked into the resort's Windsor Suite, the most elegant 
and haunted room in the hotel, the man returned to the front desk looking very disturbed. Quote, My wife is really a very stable person, he explained, but she insists on leaving at once. The husband told the front desk clerk that as soon as the couple went into the room, the wife sat down on the bed, which is where the husband, who had been in the living area of the suite, found her a little while later. Her face was filled with terror. She said, get me off this bed. They're holding me down and I can't move. He took her hands and easily pulled her up. She told him later that it felt like someone or several people were sitting on her. Oh. She must have been freaked out, too, because I like that he had to clarify with the with the staff, like, my wife is She's a reasonable, stable. stable person. Stable is the word he used. She's very stable. But she got sat on by a ghost, but, and it was really like, scary. Like, this is so bad, we, we need to leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Over the years, many employees have reported strange and annoying occurrences happening at the Punderson, uh, such as fires going out, pencils flying through the rooms, those doors opening and closing, and faucets turning on and off. Seasoned employees will sometimes get so annoyed at the disturbances that they will simply yell out for the ghosts to stop. Often then, the disturbances would indeed stop, at least for a day or two. Because sometimes all you gotta do is be like, for real though, y'all, stop it. <laughs> Several members of a recent press group reported strange experiences during their overnight stay. While trying to sleep, one person reported that something kept tugging on the covers as if someone was trying to take them off the bed. Annoying. Another person reported an unexplained green glow in the room that slowly faded with the night. And after reviewing photographs taken during a tour of the mansion, one photographer found strange cloud-like formations hovering around one of the tour participants. That participant then remembered being suddenly very cold during that particular part of the tour. And that was a really weird way to just end my story, but that is the end of it. That is the Punderson Manor. All just right. creepy stuff happens. <laughs> that is really creepy. I don't like the woman who got sat on. That makes me very uncomfortable. I don't yeah, like... people are, like, holding her down. I don't mm. like the hanging lumberjack. Mm-mm. And in general, I just... I feel like this is a place that I would feel uncomfortable visiting. Because I expected more puns than there were. I know. I'm sorry. You really only gave punnier, me one but... solid pun throughout that story, and I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> next time, next time I have such a punny name, like Punderson, I'll make sure to, like, write those jokes into my story. Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't put that together until we got on. Oh, hunt, my so God. I are you even... telling me you didn't get the pun from the name Punderson? You are the punny one of us, of the two of us. Who makes the pun connections all the time? It's you. It's not me. I know. My humor is more crass than that. Again, it's one of those things where everything is so different when you say it out loud versus if you're just sitting here reading it, being like, yeah, that's good. Oh, okay, geez. I got some information on that. <laughs> I can't believe, though, that I there there weren't other podcasts that do this. I'm kind of surprised that M hasn't done this one. There's so much ghosty information. I searched for My Story Plus podcast, and I didn't see anything. So apparently this is just a week of us covering things that not a lot have people have covered before. All right, all right. Or if they have, maybe they've been included with other things, because there's a lot of haunted stuff near Cleveland. That's true. 
Yeah. And I had no idea that the founder of Cleveland looked like Teddy Roosevelt. But uh his his descendant did. Oh, okay. Mason Cleveland is the founder of Cleveland. His this descendant is WB Cleveland. Looked like Roosevelt, which is fine mm-hmm. cuz lots the it's all on the mustache. The mus- mustache. The mustache. On a skeptic scale, I'm going to also give yours a four. Awesome. I'm going to give mine a four as well. Rad. It was nice because all of the stories were really the same. Yeah. Yeah. They they were pretty much all the same. Maybe a couple of the years were off, but I literally went to findagrave.com and I double checked the years so that I could make sure that those were right. I did actually quite a bit of extra research based more than more than the other articles that I found. So I think it's a pretty reliable source. It was the, it was the consistency for me and the straight up terrifyingness for me because the incidences that were reported are very scary, except for, you know, the trash ghost. The slow turn yeah, no. of the hanging lumberjack no, is just a, a thing in my brain. And uh, yeah, yeah. We're changing up things a little bit this week. We have a listener story, but I, I'm going to hand this one off to you, Brittany. Feels like a you story. So it feels fitting for you to read it. So I'm going to let you take it this week. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this one is actually from my sister. Sister. Uh, My mom did a little bit of an outline of some of the stuff. As I've said before, we grew up in haunted house. So my mom did a little bit of an outline, and then my sister kind of took it and ran with it. It's short, but if you have any questions, I can answer them. Sister and mom. I was there. Yeah. It's a family affair. Very Mary J. Blige. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My sister says, I'm not sure if my house growing up was haunted or if my family attracts spirits in general. I've answered that before. We do. (laughs) Often in my old house, there was a feeling of being watched in a sort of uneasy way. And I wasn't the only person to swear like it felt like someone sat down on the edge of the bed when I was trying to go to sleep. According to my mother, when I was four, there was one morning where I casually told her that there was a lion man in my closet last night. She woke up really scared and she didn't really think much of it because kids often get confused, you know, dreams and reality. However, when my younger sister, (laughs) who didn't sleep very often through the night, woke up, my mom said, good job on sleeping through the night. To which my sister replied that she did actually wake up in the middle of the night, but the lion tickled her back with its claws until she fell back to sleep again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, my mother is a saint. I did not sleep all the way through the night until I was three. And this was the very first night that I did not wake my mom up when I was three. And my sister said that there was a lion man in the closet. And then my mom came in and was like, Brittany, you slept all the way through the night. And I said, I didn't. But the way that they used to get me to go to sleep is they would tickle my back with their fingernails. And so I said that the lion came and tickled my back with its claw. Pretty, that's disgusting. Years later, my sister and I were in the basement trying to dress up our cats, who were not pleased about the situation, but not upset enough to really, really try and get away very seriously, when all of a sudden we heard a loud lion-like growl from the closet. Uh Uh-uh. Legit, I remember this. It was like the 
What's the movie opening? For MGM Studios? Yes, it was like that. And it came from the closet in the basement. She goes on to say that the lion man was clearly not okay with the indignity we were treating his fellow felines with. (sighs) My mother did daycare for a while in that house, and a good number of children would randomly ask her who the old man sitting in the corner was. When my little brother was born, he used to have entire conversations with someone in this same corner that no one could see. At some point, I was told to just ask the spirits to leave me alone, and I did repeatedly, and eventually they did for the most part. Occasionally, some things still happened, but it was much more toned down and generally less creepy. For instance, recently I was home alone, and in the next room, my weighted balance ball with sand in it started to slowly shake like someone was moving it back and forth. My first thought was, oh, one of the animals is in there running into something. It's not really that weird. She's got a big dog. She's got several cats. But then I realized that not only were all of the animals sitting on the couch with me, but they were all looking very intensely into the room with the ball in it. Uh, Hashtag happy spooky Wednesday. (laughs) Do animals know what's up? Animals always know what's up. Yeah. And that lion in that closet was not happy that we were dressing up the cats. (laughs) It yelled at me. It was very scary. I believe we each had a cat. We were putting on doll clothes. And something went. And we looked at each other. And we looked at the closet. And then we screamed and then ran upstairs. All I'm saying is I wanted this, right? Like I said, like I've said in the past, I want to be haunted. And there are times when we're like talking and chatting, whatever. And I'm like, I'm the fucked up one. It's fucked up that I like want this stuff to happen to me. And then you like just casually mention that you had a lion like roaring out of closets closet in my house. <laughs> and you and your sister are both so well adjusted and beautiful people. And I'm just like, wow, I, I am really fucked up. Like, I'm like, I'm the fucked up one because I want it. I'm now, I'm like, listen, you're both so well adjusted and you experienced it. I'm like, no, I am very fucked up. (laughs) I think it's really beautiful and such a compliment that you think I'm well adjusted. You are so well adjusted, my love. All right. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, I am so excited that uh, we were able to put this out on a Wednesday. We had a little bit of a blip there. Yeah, it was a little blip. Just a tiny little blip. Tiny little blip where Kayla's thing just stopped recording right before my story, but it's okay. You probably won't even notice once I edit it together, but it was there. And But I'm excited to be able to release something on our normal Spooky Wednesday. If you have a listener story you would like to submit to us, or if you have clarifying questions for Brittany's sister or Brittany herself, or... If you have questions for us in general about any of the topics we've covered, you can reach out to us by emailing us leftofskeptic at gmail.com or you can go to our website www.leftofskeptic.com, click the listener stories tab. We just ask that you include your pronouns. You can choose to remain anonymous or not, but we want to normalize recognizing people's pronouns. So please include that. My pronouns are, are she, her. Mine are also she, her. If you don't know that by now, if you're a new listener. You can also find us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and on Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. 
Well, we are officially into September. It is spooky season, as I mentioned offhand last week. Spooky season. I don't want to get people too wrapped up or excited. I, I mean, I know it's the end of the episode, so I don't want to go too in-depth into it. But can we please mention our October plans? Yes, 100%. Y'all, we're making plans. We got plans. Spooky plans. Spooky plans. We've got a few more weeks, so I don't want y'all to get too ahead of yourselves, but I want you to look forward to this October when we will have Urban Legend October in celebration of the Halloween season. And a special guest. Not going to give away too many details, but y'all will not want to miss this. So also, if you think about it, Mention this podcast to your friends. Maybe pick your favorite episode. Have them give it a listen because you're going to want to be fully bought in in time for this awesome, awesome upcoming Halloween we've got. So excited. Me too. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, we love you and we appreciate you. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! Recently, a guest staying at the lodge reported that a wastebasket in the bathroom inexplicably Recently, a guest staying at the lodge reported that a wastebasket in the bathroom inexplicably, guess I just can't say that word, moved while she was in the shower. Fuck, I'm just going to say this whole thing over again. Okay. It's, the word is inexplicably. Inex. Wow, I can't see it. I, (laughs) I normally can. I've said it before. It's actually a regular part of my vocabulary. I know. Inexplicably. 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 There you go. That was weird.